If you know me, then you know that generosity is a huge heartbeat of mine. It really is my strategy in life and business. And so as someone who talks about generosity, loves generosity, I even did a TED Talk on generosity, um, I couldn't help but invite the authors of Generosity Wins, a book called Generosity Wins, onto the show. And today I had the privilege of speaking with Dr. Nicole F. Roberts. She's a co-author of Generosity Wins, How This Game-Changing Superpower Drives Our Success. Uh, and she's got a background in neuroscience and, and partnered with Monty Wood, who comes from a business background, to write this fable of a story based off of actual people, actual interviews, to deep dive into the science of generosity, why it's a superpower, why it fuels uh, happiness, emotional well-being, confidence, passion, while it's, why it's the, the thing that's going to drive the next generation of leaders, and how generosity compounds for the giver. It's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful book. And I was just privileged to be able to have a, a powerful conversation with her uh, in the middle of their book launch week as the book just came out. And uh, it was supposed to be the two of them on the show, but the book was taking off so much that they had a split. They got double booked on other podcasts. So uh, I got Nicole and Monty was, was a little tied up, but it was a powerful conversation. I think what you're going to get out of this conversation is just how deep and wide the, the term of generosity is and what it means and how powerful it can be and how there's infinite ways you can be generous. And something that I think was surprising to me was the concept of being generous with yourself. And I loved how we unpacked that in the episode. So again, the book is Generosity Wins. And I think you're going to love the conversation that I have with Dr. Nicole F. Roberts. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into one of my all-time favorite topics generosity. Well, Nicole, I'm so pumped to have you on the show. I know we were supposed to have your counterpart, Monty, with us today, but the book is blowing up so much that you're getting pulled into multiple directions with multiple interviews. So that's a good problem to have, right? It's an excellent problem to have. I know Monty really was looking forward to doing your show, and then we got a bunch of competing things, and we had to split our time. So just me, but I'll do my best to be me and Monty at the same time. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. I know it's when you've written a book together, I can't even imagine how well you know each other's brains at that point. Um, so the, the book is Generosity Wins, How This Game-Changing Superpower Drives Our Success. We got connected uh, with our mutual friend, Daniel Decker, um, who's a brilliant marketer, by the way, and does you know book launches for Tony Robbins and David Bach and everybody in Milet. He's just he's a brilliant guy. Um, but when when he connected us and I saw your book come out, which my copy literally I said before we hit record like comes in the mail like today, and, and book launched was yesterday officially is when we're taping this. Um, when I saw the name of the book. I have thought two things. I thought one, like I think I just told you before we hit record, about four years ago, I wrote down that as a, as a book title idea or a concept, Generosity Wins, in my notes app, uh, which I was like, oh my gosh, these are my people. And then that was the second thought is these are my people because I do really believe uh, that generosity is the secret sauce to all things in life, business, relationships, um, government. Uh, I, think, I think generosity is how things get done. And so when I saw this book, I was like, 
And in my TED talk, I did a TEDx talk this year on, on why givers are happier and have less money stress. And that was just one angle of, you know, what giving can do for you. It's like a microcosm of so many more things you've done research on. You're actually a doctor. I'm just a, a podcaster, author, speaker guy. So you, you have the, the science to back it up a bit more than, than what I could research. But um, I just knew I have to talk to you guys. So I'm just pumped to have you on the show and to talk about the concepts in this book. Thank you. Well, we are thrilled uh, to not only have this book out in the world, but to have people like you on literally our team, right? This is a movement. This isn't yep. just a book. It is a way of thinking. We have redefined what literally the definition of generosity um, to the point you just made. When we started this journey, we looked up the definition and we asked lots of people, what does generosity mean? And it kept coming back to money and philanthropy, these very closely mm -hmm. tight things, like donating to a nonprofit. And as you and I both know, it is so much bigger than that. Generosity could be a smile at the right time, and you can absolutely change someone's world. And so we set out with a concept, and Monty has such a strong business background and all these rich examples of how generosity has improved his life and the life of people around him. But it was anecdotal. And so we, we partnered and I brought the science. And truthfully, I think we are just as shocked as a lot of our readers at what we've discovered along the way. It literally is a superpower. So I'm really excited for readers to dive in. Uh, I'm happy to talk through our new definitions. And like I said, oh, yeah. movement backed by science. Well, that's what's so fascinating to me about it, is you have a, you have Monty as, as a business owner, a lot of success in the business world. You you are a researcher, you're you're a writer, you write for Forbes, you, you work in the health space. You 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 want to understand the science of what makes people tick and what makes people what 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 is health and and so you have these cool worlds colliding. So my question is twofold: one, how did you guys meet, and then two, how did you decide this is the book we need to write and we need to write it together? Well, Monty gets the credit. This, as I said, was originally his idea from experience. And he, in the first iteration, was thinking about success. And what does success mean to people? It can mean a lot of different things, but we know it's holistic. It's your home life. Mm -hmm. It's your marriage, your children, your relationship with those around you. It is work. It is financial. It is a, you know, religious, spiritual. It is everything. It's all-encompassing. And so he set out to really look at what are simple things we can do to make ourselves happier, healthier, to make other people, people happier and healthier, and by extension, the world. Something that we found in every interview we did was people talking about, uh, they use synonyms, they'd say ripple effect or karma. But in the end, we really discovered that everyone believes, knows and believes that when you do acts of generosity, when you're kind, it just multiplies multiplies out into the world. And, and so we knew we were on to something really big. And that first call was a mutual friend who had read a couple of my book ideas from some of my doctoral work. And uh, they had said, you know, healthcare books don't do very well. <laughs> and I could tell they weren't super excited. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. And so when I got the call and someone said, I know a guy and I think mm. you should have a conversation. And and Monty and I, I think our first call was a Zoom. Mm -hmm. And an hour, hour and a half, like time just kept going. And I just kept asking questions and he just kept coming up with new ideas. And I think within a day or two, we knew 
we were going to do something, but we didn't know what the final product would look like. And we certainly didn't think it would be what it is now, which is a book like I've never seen or heard of before. Uh, it is a business fable. A, lo- mm-hmm. a lot of us know who moved my cheese, some of those classic business fables, but every interview in this book is a real person. Mm-hmm. It is someone that we have come to know. And these are 12, I mean, luminaries, people who are successful in so many aspects of life and they are so open and honest and talk about their journeys and why being generous to themselves and to others Mm. is responsible for their happiness and success. That's amazing. I I love it so much. So like, let's dive into, you know, you, you guys make this claim that it's generosity is a superpower. And, and so what do you mean by that? And maybe you can give me some examples from the book or from, you know, y'all's experience and research of how generosity has had, you know, we use those terms ripple effect, or we know it's good. Like you said, these vague ways to kind of try to put our hands around what is generosity, but where have you seen it be a superpower as if it's like a strategy or an advantage to be generous? Sure. So there are a few ways to answer that question. And the first I would say is to look at yourself. When you do something kind for someone else with no expectation of return, and that is really important, that is our redefinition. It is any act of kindness or support given with no expectation of exchange or return from the recipients, which means there are limitless ways to be generous. And so the first proof point for us was, I mean, look at the science. When you are kind to someone, when you are gracious to someone else, when you are generous, your hormone levels change immediately. Dopamine's released. We have, I mean, it's called the helper's high for a reason, right? Whether you volunteer, you just assist someone. And from there, it's a cascading set of events, mentally, emotionally, physically, and you watch confidence increase. And so right there, by doing good, you immediately are rewarded. And then there's the long-term effects that we see. And that is the way you mentions in the same words, like karma, things come back to you. And it may not be in the way you thought or what you expected, but by putting out good into the world, it will come back to you. And, and so we just were shocked at the number of examples we had about that happening in people's lives. Um, and the other reason it's a superpower, and this one we didn't know till we got close to the end of the book, admittedly, and that is We are the only species on earth that is generous. Hmm. And it took me a long time to accept that. I kept trying to dig into animal studies, particularly, um, you know, in the the, um, ape world, like looking at like, well, you know, there are acts, people extend food. And and, but what we found is that in every study, while certain species will be kind within their tribes, you know, they'll be generous. <clears throat> they that doesn't extend to outside. So, like a mm. male enters from a different group, there's no love there wow. in that relationship. And so, we truly are the only species on Earth that gives, not only with no expectation of return, but often knowing we will never meet the recipient. We'll never wow. know where our act of kindness goes, where our donor dollar goes. We do it because. We know deep inside that we are programmed this way for civilization to succeed. 
That's fascinating. I never thought about the difference between us and animals when it comes to generosity. And I, I, I would agree. I mean, I think, you know, this isn't the point of the conversation, but humans are not the same as animals. <laughs> we are, we're, in my opinion, we're spiritual beings having a physical human experience, not the other way around. And, and I just think that there's so many differences. Uh, the, the, the way we think, the way we create with our mind, creativity, love, and generosity are some of these sort of ethereal concepts that are very much real, hard to wrap your hand around sometimes of what it is or where it comes from, but it's powerful. And, uh, and I, I just, it's hard to believe that we're just doing whatever it takes to get by. Like, I think like there's so much that says things happen in this world because to your point, people do things without expecting anything in return. And there's no, there's no immediate benefit to that, that they, there's no reason strategically why people would just give something away or give up their spot in line or, you know, even, even in traffic, letting somebody cut in front of you or merge. Like we just don't, that doesn't benefit us. It doesn't make any sense on a pure carnal level. And yet there are people that do that. Uh, and I just can't see an animal doing that. So it's just a fascinating conversation for me to mm -hmm. think about. Trust me, as I said at the beginning, we learn just as much as all the readers will uh, when they read the book, because this is truly game changing. Not only those immediate effects mentally, physically, emotionally, yeah. but I mean, the way it carries out to other people, to your relationships. I mean, the key to relationships is trust. What better way is there to build trust with those around you than to be generous with them? Generous with your time. It could be, you know, like I said earlier, a smile, right? It could just be smiling at someone who really needed it, being supportive, listening. Uh, Monty always talks about the power of mentorship. And as I said, you know, he has so many examples over the years of what happens when you are authentically generous with the people you work with. They could be your clients, your employees, your partners, whatever it is. When you are authentically generous with them, because people, people know BS, right? We're, we're very good yeah. at picking up BS. When you are authentically generous, people will work with you and for you 10 times harder. It's, mm. again, it's how we are programmed because you know that someone genuinely cares about you and your well-being, not just what you can do for them. And so it, it is absolutely remarkable how we will inherently all work together when someone starts being generous. Uh, so true. I mean, that's, that's human nature, right? That's what you look at marriages, that's what makes a good marriage. Unfortunately, people view marriage as transactional um, and that's why marriages fall apart. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, but at its core, it's when we see it as a transaction, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And then that's just like a business relationship or like you said, a, we're on a team working in a company where it is just transactional. As long as you're keeping up your part of the job, I'll do my part of the job. Whereas the, if someone goes first, which is it always takes someone to go first to say, I'm going to, uh, like not 50, 50. I, I, one of my favorite books is the go-giver. And that, that, when I thought of your book, I thought immediately of the go-giver, Bob Berg, and he's a, a super generous man. He endorsed my book just out of the blue. Cause I, I just emailed him out of the blue and he actually read the book and like, who does that? And, and he's like, I don't, I don't do this, but I felt like compelled to read it. But I was like, you, I quoted his book so much in a business book because it's the, it's my foundation for how I run my business. But I love that line in his book of, Marriage isn't 50-50. That's a losing proposition. It's 100-100. It's and so it's like me going, I'm going to love you and serve you 
not because I hope you serve me back, even though that's logically what will probably happen because we're attracted to people that are generous, Mm -hmm. but it's because that's what starts this beautiful virtuous cycle of, you know, of igniting that ethereal part of us that wants to at our core be generous it's just we're so afraid to give because we're afraid we'll lose but when someone goes first you can't help but want to serve that person support that person like you said i just sorry i had to write it just a virtuous cycle Mm -hmm. that's awesome i absolutely love that i literally just wrote that down oh good (laughs) uh and it's so right i just i've never heard it said quite that way that's that's beautiful you said a couple of other things that excited me. And one is when you get the book later today, you will love the chapter with Chris Graves. So in addition to interviewing uh, a renowned neuroscientist, it was really important to me that we talk to someone who's an expert in behavioral science. Because it's not just what chemical leads to what mm-hmm. reaction, right? It's why do we do the things we do? And is there a way to prompt us to do it more? What's that feedback loop? What do people, you know, what are people really looking for when, when they behave? Chris's chapter is absolutely amazing. Not only his story, but the way he, and, and he runs the behavioral science division of Ogilvy, the way they think about behavior and how you can, not in a bad way, in a really wonderful way, get people to do things. And it led to us actually creating a formula. And so I also love that you said 50-50 because we created a formula that's really simple. But the entire purpose is not only being generous with others, you have to equally be generous with yourself. Mm. We've all heard the different sayings that you you can't pour from an empty cup or you've got to put your own face mask on first so that you can breathe to help those around you. And... We found that all those, some are kind of cliche, but they're very true. People have to live in a space of abundance before they can genuinely give. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we have a couple of chapters that really drive that home. One in particular, there's a woman who I I just cried during her interview, and I knew her story, but uh, her name is Sherry Beckstead. And she is one of the kindest, most generous women I've ever met on earth. And in her story, she talked about, you know, working from a place of loss. Her husband, she calls her a wingman, he, he passed two years ago. And within, I think, two months of losing her husband, uh, the kind of marriage that we all aspire to have, both of her dogs passed. And one was mm. 14 years old. And the way she talks about hitting this wall where she had just given and given and given of herself to everyone around her. Uh, She describes this beautiful scene. It's frightening, but it's beautiful. About her standing in the kitchen and all of a sudden everything went pixelated. And she had to feel her way to the couch to sit. And she said in that moment, she just heard God say, Sherry, you have nothing left to give. And she just had to take time to really center herself but then when she was able to really engage again, I mean, she's moved mountains with her acts, but she had wow. to care for herself. And I thought it was so important to include a story where someone really got deep with the importance of caring for yourself, especially as a, as a woman. And mm. I have a one-year-old, which is why I'm recording with a panda bear in the background from a nursery today. That's but real, I mean, real life. It's real life. And, I think as a woman in particular, we often put so much mm. on our plate and we keep adding, but we forget to take yeah. other things off. 
And so, yeah. uh, again, I just, for me, it really drives home the importance of us interviewing real people. These are not made up stories. We're not trying to check off the number of things we need to you know, drive home to the reader. This is real life. These are real mm. stories that people told us and allowed us to share about the power of generosity in their lives. I love that you said that, the, be generous with yourself. I think that's a beautiful way of putting that. Um, it's not talked about very much when it comes to generosity. We, we think about, you know, putting others first, which in growing up in my home, that was kind of what was, you know, emphasized is, is put others first. And there's a big emphasis on humility, which I love. I mean, that's so beautiful. It's taken me a while to unpack um you know, like, like the words of Jesus when he talks about, you know, the, the second commandment is, is just like the first, love God while your heart, soul, and mind, strength. The second commandment, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's quoted a lot, even, even by non-Christians. And it didn't hit me until my late 30s that, well, you can't love your neighbor very well if you don't love yourself very well. Because he's saying, love your neighbor the way you love yourself. So if I am awful to myself or hard on myself, like my personality is one where I'll, I, can, I can drive and drive and drive. And I don't, I don't usually do that physically, but like mentally I'm, I'm hard on myself. Like you could have done better. It could have been better. Perfectionism. I'm a creative first. And then, you know, and it, it spills into everything. And sometimes I remember even being in, in counseling, my counselor last year, I said something and uh, he was like, man, would you ever be that hard on someone else the way you are in yourself? And I was like, no, that would be totally awful. Like I would never, <laughs> like, why are you doing it to yourself? But it's so funny how if, if we really want to be generous, can we really love people well with our generosity or acts of generosity if we can't even love ourselves? So that's just what came up for me. It's so powerful. Well, I think patience is the one that really, even as I was saying, I was thinking about just, we, when we're recording this, obviously it's November, there's so much going on right now. And yesterday, not only was our book launch, but it was an election day. And globally, and a lot of my background is in global public health, right? there's a lot happening in the world that's really heavy. And, and so you know, patience and grace are two things that I think are really important. Yeah. That if you are not in a good place with yourself, your yeah. ability to give grace to someone else, to be patient with other people, it's not there in the same way. And it makes a big difference in how we interact with the world, how the world interacts with us. And then again, you know, those behaviors carry out over people. The way we behave immediately affects our children, our spouse, our parents, yep. if they live with us, right? And then they go out in the world carrying that. And, and it, taking care of oneself is not selfish. And so, you know, we do not mean, and in our definition, we make it clear, we don't mean overindulgence. Right? We don't mean staying yep. up all night, binging right. this, drinking that, doing, you know. We mean really caring for yourself. Acts that make you into or help you move a step closer to be the person that you really aspire to be. Those Absolutely. are self-generosity. Hey friend, we'll get back to the episode in just a moment, but I wanted to give you a gift for hanging out with me today. I want to give you my 30-day online income jumpstart guide. This is a four-week checklist 
bullet points to go from zero audience, zero customers, maybe even zero idea of what your business should be to putting money in your pocket 30 days from now. It won't be a million dollars in 30 days, but it will be money in your pocket. You will have figured out your idea. You will have tested your idea. You will have launched your idea and taken massive action towards building a business and a life that you love. If you already know your business idea, but you've been sitting around and you haven't taken action on it, then you need this guy because it'll walk you through a four-week plan to go from where you are to putting money in your pocket in 30 days. And if you've never figured out what your business idea is and you have no followers online and no audience, it's okay. This will help you start at zero. I promise you. It's a PDF. It's fast. It's easy to read. It's not an ebook. You don't have to spend a lot of time on this. It's more about taking action and doing the right things in the right order. And it's free as my gift to you. So just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart to get your 30-day online income jumpstart guide. It's grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart. Now back to the episode. Well, yeah, because it wouldn't be generous to yourself to make yourself an addict or to become addicted to a substance. It wouldn't be kind. It's not. So it's so it's a, just a beautiful way of, of putting it. It's like a it's like a different label for self-care or whatever you want to call it. It's be generous with yourself. I, I just love it. In fact, I have a copy of the book here. Um, Self-generosity. So I'm just going to read it. Uh, Any action one takes that moves them closer to becoming the person they aspire to be. And then, as I said, we say overindulgence is not self-generosity. And we thought it was mm-hmm. really important to put these various definitions at the before chapter one. Mm-hmm. Because we want people to reframe their thinking before mm-hmm. they even start reading the story itself. We want to shift that, that mindset so that you come in thinking in this new way. I love it so much. So t- tell me this. like, You get connected with Monty. You guys write this book. Clearly, though there must have been something in your story in your life where generosity has impacted you personally in a way that this was interesting to you from a research thing perspective from like, I want to commit time to write a book. And then as you've discovered writing the book is just the first little bitty bitty part of getting this thing launched and produced and published and promoted coming on podcasts like this. So you committed yourself. So you must believe in this. So where does this stem from for you personally, Nicole? That's an excellent question. Uh, and in fact, you are the first person to ask that question. So thank you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think the answer, it's a few different things. Um, I think my background is different than most people's. I grew up living with my father and uh, by extension, aunts, grandmas, right? Everyone who is around. I, I am the definition of it takes a village. Uh-huh. <laughs> didn't have a traditional upbringing. And I saw over the years, you know, there were times when I know that I, especially as a teenage girl, I you know, more than once thought things would be so much easier if I just had like a mom who, you know, could do this or do that. And I didn't. Yep. Instead, and as that I've gotten older, and now particularly as I've had a child, my thinking has changed to be one of, can you believe how many people stepped up to wow. care for me? I had grandmas and aunties and uncles who they would, I had uncles who would leave work early to make sure I got picked up from school and then dropped me off. My wow. dad was a fireman, right? So he couldn't just <laughs> pop yep. out. It, it took the village and this is back in the eighties, right? So there were no cell phones. So the village had to like land, dial, right. call, 
<laughs> there was a time when you had to actually do a lot of work to figure out where is everybody? How do I get a hold of people? <laughs> and every day, there was always someone there for me. And, wow. Uh, so for me, I have grown up with generosity my entire life, and I never knew it. I never knew what that was. And mm. I think particularly when you're young, you sort of have expectations that things just get done. And then yeah. as you're older and you look back, you realize things didn't just get done. People had to be really intentional. And then you know, as well, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, and wow. a master's degree, a doctorate. Along the way, so many people were generous. I, I mean, they, they were taking a gamble on a girl you know, from, from the South Midwest who didn't have examples of people who had done those things. And I started writing for Forbes in my twenties, right? That means along the way, people advocated for me, people read my work, they believed in my ideas, and then they spoke my name in rooms I wasn't in. Wow. Can, I mean, to me, I can't imagine anything kinder than someone older saying, I've got a name you should consider. And then they called yeah. and said, we'd love to. And the first few articles I wrote were atrocious. I even put footnotes in. But I was an academic. I didn't know anything about Yeah. I footnoted. God. And, and footnotes. Out. Right? And they're like, have you ever written a blog? It's like, mm, so no one wants footnotes in this world. <laughs> it's that obvious. That's funny. Uh, and so for me, it's not one specific thing. It is personal. Mm. It is professional. Throughout my life, people have given and again, with no expectation of return. Wow. Right? They did it because it was the right thing to do. I have been the beneficiary of so much generosity. And in turn, I feel like it's almost my obligation. And, and Monty gets the credit, as I said, for the concept of this book. I was just sort of living in the space knowing it existed. Uh, I had never spent the time I would have it or did in this past year digging into the science had I not been prompted and encouraged and he brought this beautiful idea he allowed it to evolve I mean with every study we read every interview we did there was a pivot there was a shift it was just this meandering beautiful stream that just kept picking up more and more water and people and uh, that in itself I can't think of anything more generous Right? Wow. He had an idea and it was his. He could have written a book. He could have yeah. done it. He could have done it. Instead, he said, What will make this the best it can be? And wow. in that process, had to repeatedly make the decision to let it go where it needed to go, not just what he thought. I mean, that, it's, it's so kind and giving. And uh, he, he knew the end product was more important than his initial idea. And I think he is so proud of what we're putting out into the world. And he's the one who constantly champions that this is a movement. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing. I mean, a couple of things that come up for me. One, I got chills when you were describing um, even your journey in, into Forbes and your career. And when you said to think that there's someone who spoke your name in a room that you were not in, just gave me chills because I just, in that moment, realized how many opportunities I've taken for granted and how easy it is for me. I'm just speaking for myself. I can slip into, you know, I should be here by now or how come I haven't gotten this opportunity, uh, which obviously overlooks all the other opportunities I have had. 
and I'm generally a very grateful person and a very aware, but it just kind of gave me a new layer, a new language uh, for just how many things have had to happen and how many people have had to send the email, spend time, mention my name, suggest something for me to get any of the opportunities I've had. No one self-made. I know I didn't create these opportunities. I was, I was working and ready and available to jump when there was an opportunity, but, um, that was, that was very insightful. So thank you for that. I think I just personally received that. Um, but then even on a practical level, right what you're saying at the, the end with Monty, um, I was thinking just how, wow, generosity seems to be the key to good collaboration because that's what you just did. You've collaborated on a book and I never thought of it that way. There's good collaborations, bad collaborations. I've been a songwriter. I've created content. And when it's sometimes I'm like, it's just easier if I just do it myself. Okay. <laughs> just let me just do, because I can, I can see the vision and I can execute the vision. And we all know when you collaborate, it's I'll hard. Project myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I know that feeling. And so, why do most collaborations fail? Probably a lot of reasons, but you just kind of put something in the hat of like, well, it takes, if there's two people, let's say collaborating, it takes two very generous people, generous with their ideas, generous with the credit. I'll share the credit, generous with, you know, even the vision, like, Hey, this is the vision I have of it. But if you have a different vision, I'm willing to let some of my vision go to what to you said about Monty wanting the end product to be better. So I thought that was a very interesting distinction. Yeah, thank you. It- and I appreciate you saying we were both generous in this process. They're working in, so I actually wrote my dissertation on how to build public-private partnerships. It was applicable to ah. healthcare and neuroscience in particular. But uh, along the way, I mean, it's, it's an academic book that no one will ever read. But I had to do deep, years-long research into how people collaborate, essentially, what you just said. Wow. And how partnerships come together is actually remarkable there are a million more ways to fail in a partnership of any kind than to succeed and so successful partnerships there is those those words i used earlier relationships trust Mm -hmm. and all that is built Mm on as i fully believe generosity right you've got people who have to be able to say i'm going to trust you on this one you know more than i do or this isn't how I saw it, but I trust the process and the knowledge and people around me to do something different and that it's going to work out. If we all work together collaboratively, it's going to work exactly the way it's supposed to and nothing goes the way you think it will. Yep. Yeah. Those are facts. <laughs> that's Again, that's recording. life for sure. <laughs> yeah, today yeah. didn't go the way you expected. Yeah, exactly. Yep but we're having this beautiful conversation. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. I love it. Let's get practical for a second. So I, I think my audience in particular, I, I'll speak for them. Uh, they're very, very good people. They're people who not only want to be more successful in their own life and to become who they're meant to become, but a lot of times if it's in business or with their family, like what they want is that they make a difference in the world. They actually want their work to matter, their life to matter. And so these are, these are good people we're talking about. So I think they're already generosity minded. Uh, and then I talk about it a lot. Um, what, let's take it practical. Like what are a couple of actionable steps that someone can do to say like, I would like to be more generous. I, I get it as a concept. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Nicole and, and Monty's book, but like, what could I start doing today or this week to create a more generous life and to get some of these benefits if it is a superpower? Sure. First, I just want to reiterate that there are limitless ways to be generous. So we have you know, lists that we could talk about. It could be everything from that simple smile I said to you know having coffee with someone who's been asking for some of your time. It could be making a call that you needed to make to your mom that you keep putting off, <laughs> right? There are Sorry, mom. That's yeah. real. My mom's, if she, my mom listens to my podcast. She'll hear, she'll be like, listen to Nicole. Call me more. She said, call. Yeah. Uh, well, and I'm very guilty of being like, well, I want to give them ample time and I want to listen. So I will do it tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow. Sure. All of a sudden my dad's like, I haven't heard from you <laughs> in two weeks. Uh, you know, so there are limitless ways to, to be generous. We created like a 30 day journal. So if people buy the book and let us know on the site, you can download all these resources. But our purpose in doing that was actually just to get going, right? To say yeah. 30 days, that's doable. And to be really reflective every day of what's something big or small that I can do or did do for someone else today. And what's something big or small I can or did do for myself. Ooh. You would be amazed. And, and people question. say journal for a reason, right? Writing things yeah. down matters. It yep. also makes you think through either your intention for the day or if you do it before bed, it really allows you to reflect. And you start to see how simple it really is to just take a moment of some kind to do something, either for yourself or for others. Um, we, you, know, you, you mentioned success, and in the book we talk about, never say this word, the right way, but eudaimonic success. Do you know what that is? Okay. So essentially, no, it's the type but... of, I'll get it all right, it's the type of happiness, contentment, or success that comes when, like, through self-actualization. Like, mm. you have, having meaningful purpose in your life, and that's your success, right? So it could be at home, it could be your, your children, it could be your work and that next step up the corporate ladder, whatever it is for you. But when all those things come together and you're living in your space, that is a different kind of success than just the, the check cool. So we highly encourage people uh, in the book. And if you buy the book, what we did is we put QR codes at the end of the chapter. So for the interviewees, you can go find them and literally connect with them on LinkedIn. And for our resources, and the one I'm about to mention is the VMVP, so your vision, mission, values, purpose. And we reiterate this in the book. We, our main character, in fact, we bring hers up right away. And then if you click on the QR code, it takes you to our site and teaches you how to create your own. And we use hers as the example to walk you through. So you've got one to sort of go on your journey with. That's awesome. But we talk about the importance of doing that because companies do it. They need to know where they're going what right. their values are, how they're going to achieve yep. their goals. And so we highly recommend people start there, right? And the book will walk you through that. We'll take you through our formulas on how to practice these things every day. But for me, the first thing people can do is look up your VMVP. Uh, we provide it for you. Generositywins.us and, and then um, in the book. And really think about what is important to you? What is eudaimonic success to you? What What are your values? What's your vision of your life in the future? What's your mission statement? You need one. 
it makes the world so much easier to navigate. And this one I can attest to personally. I, mm. having a one-year-old, I've had to redo mine. What yeah. my goals and what was driving me have changed completely. They're all still there. All those elements are still there, but they look different, right? My What a successful day is looks different. And I'd actually say I'm doing less of the public minus this book, but the public face talks and things of that mm-hmm. nature. I'm spending time growing a human that I think will be an exceptionally generous young man. And that to me is my my mission is so different right now. And it is to mm-hmm. me it's perfect. It's right where it should be. Um, so I, I highly encourage people to do that, to really reflect on on where they've been and where they want to go. That's it's beautiful. I um, I love the the sort of you're, you're basically advocating for self awareness mm-hmm. of what what are you doing today? How could you be generous? How were you generous with yourself and others? And then even self awareness when you get to the you know the mission and values of and your life purpose. You're like, okay, what am I here to do? Uh, and then and even in this the seasonality of it in this season what what is my mission for because that changes you mentioned kids are a great example no matter what you say you want to do having kids changes things and it's it's people get frustrated when it's like well this is messing with my vision it's like no you need to adjust your vision for this new reality this new season um so i love that example and i something rich litvin says is that we you know we don't learn from our experiences we learn from reflecting on our experiences and so it is that journal process that reflection like you can have an incredible experience but if you don't sit down and process what did i like take away from that like what was meaningful like it's that reflection that allows you to grow um so i love that and i just love how you basically personalized or allowed people to personalize generosity as opposed to making it in one lane like you know for, for example in my my TED, tedx talk is very you know we got 12 minutes. I had to like pick a lane and this was, we're going to talk about financial generosity and what happens, like you said, on the sort of the physiological stuff that happens in your brain, chemicals that are released when you give, no matter the dollar amount, like there's so many great studies that have been done. Dr. Elizabeth Dunn's done some great stuff. And, and so that's like one practical thing that you could just like almost start the the virtuous cycle of like, just start giving, get, you know, pay for someone's coffee at Starbucks, like five bucks and just, but what you described is like the, the lifestyle of generosity, which is who are you? What do you value? Where are you uniquely positioned in the world? Uh, literally in your neighborhood, who your neighbors are, where you work, where you go to school, that you can start to make a difference where you are in a way that matters to you. Because I think forced generosity isn't generosity and it won't stick, right? It's like even like forcing, like I've got two daughters, 14 and 11, they're wonderful human beings. They're so different. And if I were to force it onto them what they should be passionate about, it just won't stick. They might do it because they love dad, but it won't stick. They have to really, you know, find the thing that they, they really care about because then it's self-motivated. They don't even have to try hard to just exude, ex, you know, and bring out the best in them in that area. So I, you basically took the concept of generosity that I think some people go, I want to be generous. I understand, but they have something in their mind of what generosity is. And you said, do a little bit of hard work to figure out what's meaningful to you. And then that way you can show up as a generous person in that way. And I think that's beautiful. Well, and driving home the, you know, the redefinition, the, the redefining of this term, it's any act of kindness or support, yeah. 
right? Given with no expectation of return or exchange. And the word you used was transaction. And so much of, I think, people unintentionally but go into something with a transactional mindset. If I do this, then this will come back. Or if I do this, someone will write that letter of record. If I, right, whatever it is. And true, authentic generosity is done with no expectation of return. You put it out to the world. And it's a gift, literally, just like giving a gift. When you give that gift, it is out of your hands. The person has taken, they have received. What they do with it is none of your business. (laughs) Yep. And, for better and so or for being worse. Generous yeah. is a gift. And actually, yeah. in you know, that mindset, I would just tell people this book is a is a gift. Honestly. It, it's our gift to you, but it's a gift to yourself. I really do believe yeah. that. It it will help every aspect of your life if you read it, you internalize it and you practice. And um, of course as we head into the holiday season, gift it to everybody. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Here you go. We teed you up. Here's your Christmas shopping is done. Right. That was not. You get a book. You get a book. You get a book. Hey. Yeah. Wants to give everybody a book. We will let her. (laughs) Absolutely. She. That girl can move some units. I'm sure. I'm sure that. I I love it. Um. I I want to respect your time. We we have one final segment that we do on the show. Very simple. But this can go in any direction you want. Does not have to be related to the book or anything. It's something I call the golden rule segment. And here's the scenario. Uh, you have a one-year-old son, sounds like. Uh, what's his name? Liam. Liam. Oh, my gosh. So if we were going to have a boy, we were going to name him Liam, but God gave us two girls. So uh, he's William there we go. III. You got the boy name. Yeah, he's William III. So grandpa's William, dad's Will. And we were like, what are we going to do? And we realized the back half of the name William is Liam. So a is lot Liam. of people are like, oh, That's- I'm Irish. And like, Nope, just the back half of no. Nope, just back half of William. That's exactly what we were going to do. Shay, my wife, or her her dad is a, is a William. Her brother is a, is a William. And so we were going to name him Liam. And anyway, didn't work because we had girls. So we had a, literally in the hospital, we're like, babe, we don't have any girl names. We were so confident it was going to be a boy. Like, we need to come up with some girl names because we didn't know the gender. So anyway, so Liam, that's great. So you and your husband are teaching Liam, and you're going to raise him, and you're going to instill all these values in him, everything you, you both believe in. Um, let's imagine though, as he grows up, he just forgets everything you ever taught him except for one piece of advice that he actually would take with him everywhere he goes for the rest of his life. Somewhat like a golden rule that he would remember. What would you want that to be? I think it's very closely aligned. It may very much just the Venn diagrams may almost completely overlap. Um, the word that comes to my mind though is respect. And I think Um, I want to put a respectful young man out in the world. I want him to respect other people's choices, their decisions, their cultures, their way of life. Uh, I've worked, before we we logged on, I said, you know, at this point, I think I've worked in over 50 countries. And so for me to be able to go in and work in my previous sort of life, doing a lot of, especially disaster relief, for me, um, it's about respect. I can't help people solve problems if I bring in my way of doing it. Everything has to be culturally appropriate. It has to align with their values and their mission. It has to work with and in the world that they are currently working in and with. And I, so I, yeah, the word I would use is respect. 
but I think it is closely aligned with generosity, right? I, I want him to be generous towards others in, in respecting what he can do for them. I love that. And in the end of the day, respect is something you give people. You give them yes, your respect. It is a gift. Yeah. It is a gift. Yeah. It's a choice. I love that. It's, it is. Respect. And in some mm-hmm. cases, it can be difficult because you do think, I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It yeah. is. So it, I guess it is. It is a generous act to choose to respect other people in situations as they are. I love that. That's so wonderful. Nicole, this has been fantastic. Um, Guys, the book, go get it. Generosity Wins, How This Game-Changing Superpower Drives Our Success. Nicole Roberts and Monty Wood co-authored this book. Um, Go to generositywins.us. There's a bunch of resources there. Pick up a copy of the book for yourself and then everyone on your Christmas list. Uh, And if it's not Christmas and you're listening to this for their birthday or whatever, just buy it because it's a nice, generous thing to do. How meta is that? You could be generous by buying them a book about generosity. Um, I love that this is a movement. Thank you guys for writing this book. Thanks for taking time out of your busy launch week to come on the show. Uh, And I'm just wishing you all the success with this book and future ones as well. Well, thank you. And thank you for being so generous with your time. And uh, yeah, together we're going to amplify this message in the world one generous act at a time will just get better and better. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Nicole. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. I love the conversation. Nicole was was kind as ever to even do it in the middle of a a crazy day where her one-year-old wasn't cooperating and uh, she had to move locations and she still wanted to do the interview. So I'm grateful for her and for her time. Um, Be sure to pick up a copy of Generosity Wins. Seriously, go pick it up for yourself and buy a copy for somebody else. There's an act of generosity for you. Uh, And you can also go to generositywins.us for a bunch of the free resources that she mentioned in this conversation. That's generositywins.us and we'll link to it below in the show notes. Uh, And before we go, just think of what's one thing you can do today for yourself and for someone else to show an act of generosity. Figure that out, act on it, and let's spread this movement. I love it so much. And I know you do too. Thanks for spending some of your time with us today. We'll see you in another episode real soon.